John's Gospel, chapter number 20, starting with verse number 1. It says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene, early when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth and, come, and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre. And, he, and we know not where they had laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulchre. And he stooping down and looking in saw the linen cloths laying yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulchre and saith the linen cloth lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in and also the other disciples, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he might raise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again into their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping. And she wept, she stooped down, and looked into the sepulcher. Now skip on down to verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. I don't have a necessarily title for this message. I'm just calling it the last Sunday of the year. The last Sunday of the year. Father, we thank you. Lord, for this time that we can come into your house, that, Lord, we can come into your presence, Lord. And I just ask during this brief moment that, God, what you laid on my heart, that, God, you would just help me and, Lord, convey your thoughts to these precious saints of yours. I just ask, God, that you would help me and anoint me, Lord, to preach your word, God. Help me, Lord, I pray, because I need you. I need you every hour. And, God, oh, Lord, just help these precious saints, God, help them to know that this year is not the end, but it's only the beginning. And we give you the thanks and praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. I'm going to take another little swig here before I start. It's odd because when I, pray, when I was asking and praying and I was seeking the Lord on exactly what I needed to say um, today... Because I knew that this would be the last Sunday, and the Lord brought into remembrance um, this thought uh, in these scriptures. And what I find it interesting is why in the world are we talking about the death of Jesus? When we've just experienced his birth, <laughs> we just celebrated his birth and there is much joy in all of that surrounding the, the birth. We talked about last Sundays, a couple of Sundays 
Amen. The carols and how all these old Christmas hymns, Christmas carols have a special meaning and, a, and something that is God wants to tell us in those old hymns and everything. And it was beautiful and wonderful and so exciting. And so now here we are talking about Jesus and he's dead. He's dead. Of course, my thought and what the Lord was laying on my heart was the fact that here were these disciples that followed after Jesus. They listened to Jesus. They followed and did everything that they could. They, they walked with him through many places, experienced all kind of wonderful things and everything. There was ups and there was downs. There was lows and there was highs. And now finally we've gone to the part where the disciples have saw Jesus being crucified, his body taken down, put it in a borrowed tomb and the sepulcher. They had a big old stone rolled so that nobody could go in and block it. And so now they are all in dismay, all worried, all afraid because the one they loved, their teacher, their master, their one that they gave up their life for is now dead and they did not know what to do. We find it interesting that Mary came, Mary Magdalene, of course this Mary is the one that Jesus cast out the demons out of, came and saw that the sepulcher had moved, ran and called the disciples and only two of them went to the tomb. Peter, of course, went in first and then John Amen. The, when it talks about the disciple that was beloved of Jesus, it's talking about John. Amen. And so they find that he is not there. His linen is laid on the side, neatly folded. His napkin, where it was wrapped around his head, was neatly folded and put uh, next to the linen. Amen. And they went back home. And as we saw in verse 19, they went back home and they locked the door. Because they were afraid of the Jews. They were afraid that if they did that to Jesus, what are they going to do to us now? And we find that they've left Mary weeping at the tomb. Again, what does this all have to do with the last Sunday, with the, last, with, with the Christmas holiday, last Sunday of the year, going into the new year? I have found that 2019 has been a year of ups and a year of downs. We've had victories. We've had failures. We've had issues and problems that we've had to face. And we've had things that we were able to solve and overcome by the glory of God. Amen. And just like those disciples, when we talk about the end... Of 2019, the end of the year, we look ahead and see what 2020 is going to be like. Man, can you think about that? That is, 2019 is kind of weird because it is now the end of a decade. The end of a decade is fixing to be within a few days here. And we're going to go into 2020. 2021, 20, and man, there are some times when you look in the future, you can seem kind of scary. We look at the news reports and all kind of things that are coming out and 
how uh, it just can become scary. And I won't get in all too much of that. I preach too much about that anyway. But oh, we read things in the news and we get disturbed. We see of laws that are being passed and we get disturbed. We see the disaster and the destructions and we get disturbed. And it feels like we want to lock, be like the disciples, lock the door and not come out. We don't want to be, we don't want to face 2020. We don't want to face the new year. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know the problems and the things that are going to face. And so we can get discouraged. We can get wounded. We can feel like I just want to crawl. You ever felt that way? I just want to crawl in my bed underneath the blanket and not come out. <laughs> There's times I felt like that. Oh, I just want to hide. I don't want to wake up. I don't want to just go and face the world today. I just don't feel like it. These disciples felt the same way because they felt like their whole life had crumbled beneath them. Their foundation was gone. But one thing about it, as we read this verse of chapter 20, we find a key thing that said here that they did not know the scripture that said he was going to come back alive again. And when we read in verse 19, they were assembled scared. And then all of a sudden, Jesus appeared in them. And he said unto them, peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. Church, I just want to focus real briefly on this fact that even though this is the last Sunday of the year, it is not a time for us to crawl. It is not a time for us to look back and feel discouraged. It is not a time for us to look back and say, well, we, I should have done this. I should have done that. This new year's coming. I feel like I failed. I feel like all of these things aren't accomplished. But folks, he is saying to you and to I this morning, God is saying in this 2020 year, peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know what's going to happen in this next year. I don't know what the political field is going to change or not going to change. I don't know what new threats might come my way. But one thing I do know, peace be unto you. Hallelujah. Peace be unto you is what Jesus is saying to you and to I. And I feel that in my spirit today that we don't have to fear the future. We don't have to fear what's going to be ahead of us. But praise God, he is saying to us, peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. As I was studying and I was reading and I was wondering where, Lord, you were going to take us into this. What is it that you're talking about? He reminded me of a scripture found in Isaiah. And this is a special scripture because it talks about the actual the prophecy, the characteristics of who Jesus is going to be. Isaiah gave this prophecy 470 years before Jesus was ever born, before his birth. And so this summed up 
exactly who Jesus is. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That is who my Jesus is. I don't know what everybody else follows and other spiritual leaders and other things like that. I don't know too much about all of that stuff. I don't know about what the Hindus believe and the uh, necessarily Islam believes and, and uh, Confucius and all of those believe, Buddhists and all of that. They've got different things. But I just want to tell you, I may not know what they believe, but church, I know what I believe of my Savior this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, I believe the Lord is wanting to remind us when we go into 2020 who He actually is today. Who He is today. First, He is that wonderful counselor. Now, if you've noticed, I've said that together. In my King James, it says wonderful, comma, counselor, comma. In other versions, they put those together. And it is interesting because scholars have debated and said that those should be together. There's some that say it should be wonderful, counselor. Some say wonderful, and counselor. You know, I don't know too much about all of that and all of the history and all of that kind of and the Hebrew words and the text that all they have access to and all of those things like that. But as I began to look at that, I found, and I believe you agree with me, that even if they're right and it should be wonderful counselor, and this King James has kind of not got that part right, but folks, I found that even though <laughs> he's still wonderful, he's still been wonderful to me. Hallelujah. That's why I can say that he's wonderful. Hallelujah. He's been wonderful no matter what side. Acts 2 and 22 says, ye men of Israel. This is Peter talking at the day of Pentecost. Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Folks, that's why I'm fine with them saying like the King James and saying wonderful, comma. Hallelujah, because he's been wonderful to me. And folks, I can look around in this church and I see how God has been wonderful to you. He's been wonderful to each and every one of us. He's been a wonder. Hallelujah. Wonderful means marvelous, extraordinary, beyond the normal capacity to perform. If that ain't my Jesus, I don't know who it is 
because he's been that way to me. Hallelujah, lady called me yesterday. Oh, was sick and didn't feel good. Hallelujah. And there at the minute, she didn't know I was at work and she didn't know I was by myself. And she called and said, I need you to pray. We locked, I locked that door by myself and heaven came down. Hallelujah. And healing virtue flowed and God was praised because I felt like he healed and did what was needed. Hallelujah. Folks, that's what wonderful is. That's how wonderful my Jesus is. That it don't matter where you're at, where you've been, or where you're going, he will always be with his people. He's wonderful. No matter in the good times and the bad times, hallelujah. I thought about poor Reagan. <laughs> Bless her heart. Hallelujah. Broke her arm and we got that text and we began to pray. Hallelujah. We prayed and prayed. And then Brother Kenneth said that um, I hate that it broke her arm, but he said that it was a clean break. Clean break. And oh, we praise God for that because if it had splintered or if it was a bad break, it could have been so much worse. But that easy break. See, God is with us in the good and in the bad. And when disaster strikes, amen, or when it is all calm and peace, he is with us. Hallelujah. Don't you ever leave this church and not think that God ain't with his people. Hallelujah. He is with us everywhere he goes. Hallelujah. But of course, let me go back to my thought here of wonderful and counselor. Hallelujah. Because I do agree with the scholars that he is a wonderful counselor. <laughs> he is wonderful all in himself and he's also a wonderful counselor. My goodness, he has counseled me. He has directed my path. He has done things for me. And he's done things for you. Oh, he's guided you and he's led you into places. He's told you don't go here, you go there. He's led you into right fellowship with people, connected you with others. Hallelujah. When you add wonderful to counselor, the counsel of this Jesus transcends human wisdom. Hallelujah. He's so much smarter than us. He's so much wiser than us. He knows so much more than what we know. And so sometimes when God leads us, we may question or we may not understand why he led us to these paths, but yet we yet trust him knowing that he sees ahead and he knows the way. Oh, hallelujah. That is confidence to you and to me that he knows the way. <laughs> he knows the way. He's not looking at a map trying to figure out like sometimes we do. Amen. We put it in our phone and say, oh, where do we need to go and what this? And we're trying to look and we're in traffic and it'll say, you know, uh, turn left. All right. This left or the next left. And then you kind of miss it. And you're like, oh, you got to start back over again and everything else. Oh, because we don't know the way. 
But Jesus knows the way. He leads his people along. He knows exactly where he's putting you and I in the direction that we need. We need to just follow him. We need to understand that he knows a whole lot better. Amen. Than what we do. Amen. Oh, and what's a beautiful thing is we read in John's gospel again, chapter 14 and 26, that Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Oh, that is precious to you and I. Because there are times in my life where I am going and all of a sudden the Spirit of God will whisper a thought into my mind. Whisper scriptures to encourage myself. Whisper things and, and when we're, and I've got a problem or a situation I'm trying to figure out and I don't know what to do. Oh, I can just say, God, you, I need your help. And he whispers Sweet peace to my soul. He'll bring a scripture into my remembrance. Hallelujah, that I have read before. Oh, folks, that's the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And oh, we need the Holy Ghost more and more and more. Hallelujah. We need them more and more active in our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I find it interesting in Romans when we read chapter 11, verse 34, it says, For whom hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? This is Paul talking and he is simply saying, who is it that counsels God? Nobody counsels God. He is all-knowing and all-powerful. Who knows the mind of the Lord? No one knows the mind. Hallelujah. This is a rhetorical question. This is a question that says, why do we question the Lord and his counsel? When he knows what is best for us. And folks, let me tell you this. Sometimes his best for us necessarily isn't what we want. <laughs> so isn't necessarily what we desire to happen. Necessarily isn't what we prayed for. But we have to trust that God knows and he understands. And folks, that's something hard sometimes. That's hard to do sometimes. Amen? Because we as human beings, we feel like we're the master of our own lives. That we have plans and ambitions and we want things to happen in this way because it will better us. But sometimes things don't work out. And I don't understand why they don't work out, but they don't. And we can get kind of disappointed and kind of sad and forlorn and all of that, but we yet trust that God knows what he's doing because he knows what he's doing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Folks, not only is he that wonderful and he's that counselor or he's the wonderful counselor, but oh, I've read that he's the mighty God. Hallelujah, he is the mighty God. What I found was interesting as I was studying a little bit, the Hebrew word, and I won't get too much into this because this will be a whole series that we could talk about, the different names of God. We know that Jehovah is one of his names, but one of his also names is the word El. 
capital E, lowercase l. And that word means God. But what is interesting is when I read and I did a little bit of studies, the scholars were saying that if you notice when you say that word L, it is accompanied by a, a, um, uh, an action word or a verb, so to speak. In other words, we find that it's El Shaddai. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's an attribute of what God can do because he's God. And it says the reason why that is is because he is saying in this ancient time there was other people that believed in other different gods except for the one true God. And when he said his name was El, it meant that he was the God greater than, the God of peace, the God of might, the God that never fails. Hallelujah. He was saying that he's a God that's above all other gods because he's the mighty God. Hallelujah. He is El, God the mighty one. Hallelujah. It literally means the heroic strong God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Folks, I don't know about you, but he's been strong when I've been weak. Hallelujah. When I felt like giving up, he's picked me up by my side and by my hand and said, come on, get up out of here. I'll take the rest of the journey with you. Oh, hallelujah. That's that mighty God. That's what Jesus, when you think about coming into this new year, when you think about all of the fears and the worries that rob in your mind and settle in your mind, oh, he gives us peace knowing that he's wonderful, knowing that he's a wonderful counselor, knowing that he's a mighty God. He's going to take care of us. I'm telling you, he's going to take care of his people. God's never forsaken his children. But he's given it to us. He has always been. And the reason is he's the mighty God. In other words, you could say he's got power in himself to take care of everything you need. Everything you need, he's got the power to take care of. He's not diminished. He doesn't grow old and weak in age. But he's still the same as when he said, let there be. And there it was, light and moon and stars and sun and earth and ocean and things and humans and all of that. God is still mighty and he's still powerful. And he tells you and I that he's with us. He's got enough power to take care of your needs. Take care of your worries. Take care of your frets. Take care of your sick body. Hallelujah. Take care of this mind. He can take care of it. Hallelujah. In this frustrating world where we're prone to grow weak and tired, oh, we need a king who will be awake at night while we recuperate in sleep. A champion who is strong enough to keep his word. Oh, hallelujah. Folks, that's why we can, we can rest and be in peace because we know God in heaven is watching over us. Now, I admit sometimes I always check that front door <laughs> when I go to bed. <laughs> I'll go in and I'll lock it. And even before, even if I know I did it, 
Before I go into that bedroom, I'll just mosey on right back in and just make sure and check. Sometimes even at night, I'll get up and I'll think, did I lock that front door? Let me go check. <laughs> and I'll go and check it and make sure it's locked. Yeah, it's locked. Okay, it's locked. And I'll go into bed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, folks, let me tell you, God watches over his people. Amen. Oh, if the door was locked like Fort Knox or wide open for God and animals and everybody else to come on in. Hallelujah. He's going to take care of us. He will take and he watches over his people. Oh, folks, that's a beautiful thing. He watches over us. Folks, even when things are done in secret and we don't know what is behind or what's going on, hallelujah, even in the things that are in secret, God watches over His people. Hallelujah. And He knows and directs us and He guides us. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And what I love too is that He's strong enough to keep His word. He's strong enough to keep his word. Oh, there are times where people will call me and say things and I may forget or I might forget to do something or something might come up and I might not be able to do this or that or the other or I, I might have forgot to call somebody or I might, you know, things just happen and all of that. And sometimes we break our word, not meaning to, but sometimes we just do. Maybe the kids or the grandkids or somebody asks us to do or asks us to bring something and we just forget or don't or, or whatever. Maybe we ask our children to make sure that their bed is made up and cleaned and all of that. <laughs> and they forget. <laughs> just kidding. He's good at doing that. <laughs> Amen. But sometimes we forget. But God is the one that, will, that has the power to keep his word. What he said in this book, amen, this little beige King James Version, oh my tiny writing, I've got to kind of look at it a little bit different than my others. But hallelujah, promises, promises are in this book. And God is able to keep every last one of them. Because he's got the power to do it. And I find this interesting too. The mighty God. Let me. Oh, nope, I'm skipping ahead of myself. The mighty God. I'm thinking about the, ever, the next one. The everlasting father. The everlasting father. Somebody wrote on the little tab as I was studying Father or founder of eternal life. And I read some other commentary that said that everlasting father means father forever. What was interesting too is when I read this and I was reading different kind of perspectives on this thought everlasting father. It does not mean that Jesus replaces God the father. Amen. We believe that there is one God eternally existing in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. These three make up the one God. Amen? These are three different people, three different expressions, 
Amen. But yet they are all God. They don't work against each other. Amen. They don't conspire against each other. Amen. But they all work in harmony. And folks, I don't understand it. And I don't think anybody else quite understands it. And I don't think we'll understand it till we get to heaven. How that trinity works. But folks, there is a father who is the father of all. The son, which is our high priest, our elder brother. And the Holy Ghost that empowers and is our witness to this dying world. When we talk about the everlasting father, it does not mean that he's replaced God now. But I find it interesting that in Psalms 103.13 it says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Oh, I don't know about you, but Jesus has been a father figure to me. Hallelujah. Oh, that word pitieth in Psalms. When we say I pity you, that kind of, I think of... uh, Mr. T, I pity the fool. I pity the fool that does all this. You know, Mr. T. And we think, oh, that's kind of a negative word. But that word pitieth means compassion and kind. And I've read where Jesus is concerned about his children. Where he says, cast all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Hallelujah. He cares for us. He makes intercessions for us to the Father. So it's not necessarily that Jesus is taking over as the Father, but He's going alongside us as that Father figure. As He loves, as He's compassionate, as He teaches us. Oh, hallelujah. He is that loving self sacrificing, always looking out for our best. Oh, I remember my father would do some things and I didn't like some of the things that he would do, but he'd always say, I'm doing this for your own good. For your own good. And I'd say, I don't understand that. That ain't for my own good. It's for his own good. But now as I look back older and I have children of my own now, And I look and I don't allow them to do certain things. My mind goes back to what my father told me. That I'm not going to let you do this because it's for your own good. It's for your own good. Hallelujah. Some of you are like me. That maybe we don't have a father. Our physical father here on earth anymore. Amen. And sometimes we miss our earthly father. And we miss the times and all of that. But folks, there are times in my life where Jesus has been that father figure to me and how he has counseled me and directed me and guided me because he's, he is loving, compassionate, and self-sacrificing. He is that father figure to those who don't have a father. He can be that mother for those that don't have a mother. He can be that brother, that sister, that aunt, whatever it is. He can be that to you and to I. What's interesting too is I read and I found this in Genesis 45 and 8. And this can sum up what I'm trying to talk about here. This is Joseph talking. 
And he says, so now it was not you that sent me hither. He's talking to his brothers. But God, and he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. See, what this is talking about is this isn't saying God just moved Pharaoh off and Joseph to be Pharaoh. No. But it's saying that as a father, as a father, he was that protector. Because Joseph protected Egypt and all of the people for the famine that came. Folks, he's been a father to us. He's been a protector to us. He's been kind to us. Hallelujah. But I've read this uh, commentary too that talks about that that everlasting father could also mean that Jesus is the father of eternity as he is the one who opens the doorway to eternal life. And he said to, the, to be the very door of life, no one gets eternal life except by him. He is the father, our source of eternal life. When you look at people that created inventors and all that, you think of Thomas Edison. He's the father of electricity. Amen. These people that created and did things, it is known through history that they're the father of this. The father of that. Hallelujah. And so this scholar is saying that in a way this could mean that he's the everlasting father. He's the father of eternal life. Hallelujah. Because nowhere can we get eternal life but through Jesus Christ. He is the only way that we can get to heaven. Hallelujah. Don't be fooled by these people that say there's many paths and many ways and all that. Oh, yeah, they may be similar in some aspects, and that's all good. But, <clears throat> excuse me. But, folks, there is one way. Hallelujah. And that's Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh unto the Father except by me. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only way. And folks, I'm closing. The last of it. The last of his names. The last of his character is Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. And you know what, folks? I don't have to get, I don't have to talk too much about this part because he's been peace to my soul so many times. He's been peace when I've needed him. Oh, hallelujah. When he was born, he was peace. Hallelujah. When he walked and he was ministering, he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, peace I leave you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto, do, unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He is that prince of peace. Peace is his dominion. Peace is what he rules over. Peace with God because sin is done away with. Peace with man because Christ brings all different people groups together in him. And peace in this world because we know that he is in control. 
Jesus truly is the Prince of Peace. Folks, this is again the last Sunday morning in 2019. And as I said earlier, those disciples, so scared, were afraid of their future because they did not know what was going to happen. Mary Magdalene weeping because she doesn't know what her future holds. Her Jesus is gone. The disciples, scared, locked, their Jesus is gone. They don't know what's going to happen. But folks, each one of them, when they thought it was all hope was left, they found Jesus. He was right there all the time. Hallelujah. It said, we didn't read this part, but Mary went into that sepulcher and she saw Jesus. Those angels told her, hey, he ain't here. He's risen. Hallelujah. He's gone. Oh, as the scripture says, he's risen. And all those disciples, oh, what encourages me is when we're locked, when we're locked, when we've locked ourselves in our own room, so to speak. Hallelujah. Jesus, there's not a door that Jesus can't go in. There's not a door that will lock him out. Hallelujah. But he can come into us. And he says unto us, peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. Oh, hallelujah. Those disciples forgot. Those disciples forgot those attributes and actions of God, of Jesus. They forgot all the wonderful things he did. They forgot all that he's done. But yet he reminds us today as we look forward to 2020 that 19 is gone. It's done with. But as I was with you in 2019, I'll be with you in 2020. I'll be with you through the rest of the way. I'll be wonderful. I'll be counselor. I'll be mighty God. I'll be the everlasting father. And I'll be the prince of peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What we have to do is accept it. What we have to do is accept that what Jesus will do in our lives and trust after him. Would you stand today? Oh, Father, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.